right, welcome everyone to the Zojo Talk podcast. I am Paul Lefevre, the Zojo developer evangelist. And this month we have kind of a special little fun thing. I have two guests this time. I have Bob Keeney. Welcome, Bob. Hi, Paul. Thank you. And I have Mark Zeter. Welcome, Mark. Hello. So these guys have both been on podcasts earlier this year. And what we're going to do this time is kind of have a roundtable discussion about the new Star Wars movie, Star Wars The Force Awakens. And which we have all seen, of course. And we're going to have a brief little chat here. We'll, we'll be spoiler-free, but we're quickly going to dive into spoilers. So uh, if you haven't seen Star Wars The Force Awakens, don't listen for much longer. <laughs> all right, so uh, first of all, going around the room, uh, initial thoughts. Uh, Bob, do you like it? Oh, loved it. It took me back to when I was 10 years old and saw the original Star Wars, A New Hope, there were so many things in this movie that were hope that paid homage to the original uh, trilogy that it it may, makes up for a lot of the foibles or the holes that may have been in the plot. Um, you know, there's lots of things that they 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 tried to hint at because there's 30 years between the first you know the trilogy and then this one so there's a lot of history that there's a lot of backstory that we have no idea about and so if anything that i you know any minor complaint i could give about the film is that they did a whole bunch in two hours and 12 minutes and so it seemed a little rushed at times and it left me wanting more um, from all the major characters especially the new ones i mean we all we know kind of what happened to the old characters but certainly the new characters there's you know they're fully formed adults and we have no idea who they are and 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 what their backstory is so but i love the story and i can't wait for the second one mark what do you think well um i was going to preface this a little bit i have sort of an unusual background with the original movies that i think is is, i tell people it's always interesting because i i grew up as a kid in uh, west africa so we didn't have TV, didn't have movies. I didn't know anything about these movies. I came back to the States in high school and finished my high school uh, in the States. And I remember I was at a church youth group and for New Year's Day. I was probably like 16 or 17 years old. And they had all three of the original movies on videotape. And we were staying all night at the church, you know, for New Year's Day. And they started playing the first movie. And everybody else had all seen these. So they all like went to sleep. We had sleeping bags and stuff. They all went to sleep. We had a party and stuff, you know, stay until midnight. They started the movies like after midnight. I stayed up all night and watched all three movies in a row by myself in a room. You know, the others were all sleeping. Nobody else was paying any attention. They had all seen them and were bored to death. And I was just like, you know, because I'd never, I'd never even heard of these. I didn't know anything about them. Watched all three. And, uh, but it was, uh, and these were all, you know, mid eighties, this was like old movies by this point. Right. So they were all in videotape and, but it sort of changed the way that, uh, uh, partly I was half asleep. And so I had to rewatch them later because I didn't, you know, didn't get the whole thing, but it sort of changed, you know, my perspective of these and, and, and how I saw these. So when I, when this one was coming out, I actually wasn't that excited. I was sort of expecting them to be, you know, not sure if they were going to, it was going to be good or not. And I was a little bit, it just kind of, you know, change my perspective going in. But uh, I will say that uh, uh, I came away, I, I, like, I think it was maybe about 20, 30 minutes into the movie, I was like, I'm really enjoying this. 
I'm really enjoying it. So it really surprised me how much I was enjoying it. And it just kind of, you know, was taking me back to how I felt when I was a kid and seeing that. And, and uh, the original movies are, are actually quite flawed in a lot of ways, but they also break a lot of ground um, in, in, in fascinating ways. Things like having robots as main characters and stuff like that. That was And really interesting, well-done robots, too. Not like robots from, like, Lost in Space or things like that that are just ridiculous. But um, they, 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 and this one captured a lot of that same feel. It has a lot of the same flaws, actually, of the original ones, which I thought was fascinating. It's almost like they deliberately made some of the same kind of weird errors in logic and things just to, to make us, you know, be amused by <laughs> those same kinds of errors and stuff. But I, the biggest thing for me was just how much I enjoyed it. I just came away going, wow, that was really fun. I haven't had been to a movie in, in quite a while that was just that much fun it was just a lot of fun and uh that that's probably my biggest takeaway i was just, was just kind of really impressed with that so there's some criticisms for it that i can get into later in the spoilers but just the initial takeaway was just i was really impressed with just how much fun it was it right was well, i'll give uh my brief take on it and then we will cut into some spoilery discussion for people uh i gotta say i was just super super nervous about this movie i mean I don't get nervous about a lot of things. You know, I was telling my wife, you know, when I go to the Zodo, Zojo conferences and I get to present all kinds of presentations, I'm not nervous. I was so nervous going into this movie. And I don't know what it was. I was either, I was nervous with anticipation. I was nervous it might be bad. <laughs> I was very, very nervous. And I had been in spoiler-free mode for almost two months. I had watched the last official trailer from October, but I hadn't watched anything else from that point forward. No TV commercials, hadn't read an article, nothing. So I really, I mean, I knew what some of the characters looked like, but I didn't know really anything about what was going to happen. So I was very nervous. Uh, it was like, it reminded me of how, you know, uh, when I was a little kid, how excited I would get waiting for Christmas or something like that. I was just so, so nervous. And I saw it on IMAX 3D on Friday. And uh, I mean, right when it kicked in with the, the opening, I was hooked and... Uh, and I think a friend of mine told me this, and I'm probably going to agree. He said, like, the first five minutes of this movie was better than all the prequels combined. And that might be a true statement. Uh, but I was just, I was floored. It's, it's fast-paced. It's, there's not really a break. Uh, you know, if you've got to get up and go in the bathroom in the middle, do it after you've seen it once. <laughs> uh, but I, I loved it. And when it ended, I was just like, I can't wait to see this again. And uh, actually, the family and I are going to see this uh, tomorrow. None of them have seen it yet, so I've had to not talk about it here with them. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but yeah, I absolutely loved it. I cannot wait to see it again. Um, I, 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 I'm very pleased. My anxiety is now gone, so it's uh, all good things. So, it, it's funny you say that because we're actually going to see it again tomorrow as well as a family. Uh, <laughs> we all we all went on Thursday night, but we're going to go see it again tomorrow uh, anyway just because we felt that there was a lot of things said things in the background and things that, that went on that you really sort of need to see again. Um, I've already had friends that have seen it twice and they picked up different things. All right. This is our break. Everything from now on is going to be spoilers, but before we continue, I wanted to note that this special episode of Zojo talk is being brought to you by what else? Zojo. 
Uh, and in case you're new to this podcast because you just want to hear about Star Wars, uh, you might be wondering, well, what the heck is Zojo? Well, Zojo is a programming language for Windows, OS X, Linux, iOS, Web, and Raspberry Pi. Zojo builds on languages such as Visual Basic and Java and provides the fastest and easiest way for you to create your apps that you need to use. Uh, Zojo uses safe programming patterns, strong data typing, and has modern features such as being fully object-oriented. Programming is with Zojo is fast, easy, and most importantly, fun. I encourage you to check out Zojo. Zojo.com. That's X-O-J-O.com. You can download it for free, test it out, make the apps you need, give it a try. Thanks to Zojo for sponsoring this episode of Zojo Talk. All right, we're back, and it's spoilers now. So, uh, serious, don't listen if you haven't already seen this. All right, so to dive right in, uh, the first thing at the beginning is uh, there's obviously no Fox logo with the little fanfare at the beginning, which is a little bit jarring. Well, uh, you know, I, unlike maybe Mark uh, and or maybe it's Bob, I have seen the first Star Wars movie hundreds of times, wow. literally hundreds of times. I have the dialogue utterly memorized. I know everything about it. It irritates my family when I can say all the dialogue, you know, 30 seconds before it's going to happen. And so that little fanfare at the beginning, it, it just wasn't there. And it just jumps, you know, so the Lucasfilm shows up on the screen. It's silent. And still the theater erupted in applause. But then the, the, the scroll kicks on. And I don't have the scroll memorized. I haven't looked it up. All I know is that first sentence that says Luke Skywalker is missing or vanished or something like that. Yeah. You're just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted more story there. I wanted to find out what they were like. It was no explanation. Well, it's just. He's vanished. It's like, what? <laughs> it's such a hook. It's It immediately draws you in. It, it, it almost draws you in too much that you forget to keep reading. <laughs> right. But uh, my problem was, is I was in the first row. So I'm like, you know, having to go like this to <laughs> I felt like I was at a tennis match. <laughs> yeah, I was in a crowded theater. My favorite point was just before they play the the iconic music, there's that moment of silence. You know, it came up and it and then there was this little pause. And everybody in the theater, we were all kind of like holding our breath. And then somebody in my theater, it was a pretty crowded theater. I was in like fourth row. And somebody out there shouted, hit it. I don't know if, he, if he'd seen the movie already. This was like the first premiere, uh, first uh, uh, matinee on Friday. So it was like the earliest showing I could go to was at noon. And somebody shouted, hit it. And then almost instantly, as though he had choreographed it, that theme song came on and everybody just started clapping. I mean, it was really a wonderful moment. I thought it was so cool. <laughs> Yeah, so unfortunately, I don't. I, I need to see it again so I can more carefully read and remember the opening scroll because I don't really remember all the text in it. I haven't Googled around to see if anyone's typed it up. I'm sure someone has that have seen it multiple times at this point. But I just, that opening line, it kind of just kicks off the whole point of the movie at that point. And you're like, all right, you know, because I mean, the prequels generally didn't have anything in those opening scrolls that drew you in. Um, That's so that it was. No, is that. Luke Skywalker's vanished and the whole plot of the movie is to find him. So, Right. And it kind of draws in too, because I mean, Luke Skywalker was not in any of the trailers. Um, and, you know, I, I had, I, the only thing I had known is that, yes, Mark Hamill supposedly is in this movie in some manner because there were, you know, years ago pictures of him dressed as Luke Skywalker or something like that. So I, 
but that, that's what I kind of knew. And I'm just like, what? He's vanished. So, uh, so, but now they've given, you know, essentially this, the movie is about finding Luke Skywalker, which is, you know, that, that immediately just draws you and it connects it to the old uh, movie because he was the critical character in the old movie. And then the opening scene uh, evokes uh, the first Star Wars movie with the, the giant spaceship. I found it to be a little dark. I saw the movie on IMAX 3D. Uh, when we see it tomorrow, we're not going to see it on 3D. Um, I think the 3D made it might have dimmed and made the movie a little blurrier than I like. So we'll see how that contrasts. Version 3D, which I always hate. So yeah, I, I'd rather I didn't. I had not seen it in 3D, uh, but I really like IMAX, particularly the sound in the IMAX theater yeah. and uh, the screen size is much bigger than most of the screens here in Maine. So I usually try to pick IMAX first. But then there was I really only remember one great 3D scene where there's a star destroyer. And it kind of was poking out at the screen. And that had a really 3D effect where it looked like the Star Destroyer was hovering over you. But other than that, nothing really jumped out at me that required 3D. I mean, then that didn't require 3D either. But <laughs> uh, So where are we? The, the Star Destroyer opens up. And, uh, and then I forget, you know, because I've only seen it the one time. I forget if it starts on the planet surface or if it starts with that ship leaving the Star Destroyer. I think it uh, starts it with been... that. Well, the, part of that crawl, it tells us that there was this daring pilot that, that, that Prince, uh, Prince, well, it's not Princess Leia, it's General Leia now. And she sent her most daring pilot to go to this planet, Jakku, to find some information that's going to lead him to Luke Skywalker. And then they cut to the scene in the tent with the old Jedi. All right, so they did cut to the tent on the planet first. Yeah, pretty quick. I I can't remember. There might have been a a close-up shot of the planet or something. Yeah, and I don't know about you, Bob, but it just starts off, boom. They're like in the middle of a conversation almost, and you're like – Who's this dude? Seems like I should know him. I don't know him. I'm yeah. so confused. Yeah, it, it definitely starts pretty quick. And but they introduce you to Poe right away, who I loved as a character. And and again, I, I totally want to know what his backstory is because okay, you don't become the world, you know, the best pilot for, for the Alliance by by being a quiet and, and shy dude. And oh, that was the other thing. I, I was gonna say earlier. This whole movie, it seems to me like it's a whole World War II vibe in the movie. Um, cause you've got this, you know, New Jersey accent pilot who's this, you know, who's really good and he's, you know, he's good looking. And, and, you know, then, then later on in the film, you see the, the TIE fighters coming in out of the sun. And then you see the, uh, uh, the, the, the crowd, the stormtroopers with the supreme or with the general talking and all that. I mean, it just it just screamed World War Two vibe to me because the 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 original series was more of a western. The prequels were like uh, oh old. Well, the old Republic was equivalent to uh, Greek and Roman times and, and with the Senate and all that. So this one was very much like that. And you know, all of a sudden, you know, he, they're f- trying to find some something you don't know what it is originally you're assuming you know luke skywalker and that's where they introduce you to bb-8 which oh my gosh bb-8's the cutest droid ever i think <laughs> yeah that that was pretty amazing because i mean because yeah mark is that the remote control sphero one yeah yeah my friend got it to me for my birthday so mark's showing us the little remote control one I have to take the yeah off because my cat takes it off and runs off with it and then i'm afraid i'm gonna lose it <laughs> Yeah, I, I might want to get one of those to play with the cat. <laughs> with. 
the uh, but yeah, you, you've, everyone has seen that robot at this point, and you're just like, oh, that is just going to be too cheesy, and it's not. BB-8 no. is not cheesy at all. Wonderful. When one iota, it is every bit as good as R2D2 for that sex. But different. Yeah, it's not a copy of R2-D2. No. It has its own character and personality, exactly. and it just fit into the movie wonderfully. Yeah. If, if anything, I, thought, I would say BB-8 might be better than R2-D2 from a couple of different aspects. Maybe not as capable, but certainly better from, from a lot of things. Uh, he certainly, yeah, BB-8 definitely blends in much better with the action sequences. You know, when they're, when they're you know, running away, BB-8's keeping up with them, and you can you can tell he's he's running. And there's a, I, I think they actually had an actual model that that was working with them. And yeah, he leaves footprints in the sand and, and the whole bit, and just very well done. He's um, more mobile. Yeah, he's mobile. He can get around a little bit easier than R2. R2, he always had to like come up with ways to like bring him along. He did a little bit with BB-8, but it's not quite as. Yeah, well, that's a good that's a good observation. Is R2 I mean, on, I suppose, in Empire Strikes Back, he was part of the action when they were escaping from Bespin and maybe in Return of the Jedi. But, you know, he was pretty stationary, even though he was part. I mean, he couldn't, because, I mean, obviously, he just couldn't go everywhere really easily. But, I mean, BB-8 is just with them. And at one point in the movie, he kind of just shows up, and you're like, how the heck did he even get there? But uh, <laughs> Well, and, and there's a great scene where, where they're walking down the stairs, where Ray goes downstairs uh, at the cantina scene, whatever, and you can see him kind of, struggling to get down the stairs as they yeah rolling down <laughs> bonk bonk yeah, it was pretty funny so going back to the beginning of the movie you've got because uh, we don't want to get too scattered all over the place but uh, we've met poe uh who gets this uh map apparently from this old guy that we don't really know but feel like we ought to know and then all of a sudden the bad guys are landing to you know capture this and there's a, a battle and Lots of shooting, and it's and it's up close and personal with stormtroopers at this point. You see the troopers flying into the planet from within the ship, and you see them land. You see them run out, and you see the stormtroopers being no other word for it, badasses. I mean, they are shooting and taking no names and just decimating the place. And then, then the real bad guy shows up, <laughs> and that if we get the name right here, I you know because I had been spoiler free, I actually didn't know the names of the characters. Kyle Ren and. Yeah, so this was Kylo Ren is the 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 big bad. So well, not the big bad, but the bad guy for the movie essentially. And uh, but I didn't know their names right away, so it took me a little bit into the movie before I had the character name straight. So pay attention. <laughs> but yeah, so Kylo Ren comes on, and you know he kind of again a lot of this movie evokes the classic trilogy in you know sometimes very blatant ways, sometimes less blatant ways. And Kylo Ren certainly evokes Darth Vader. He you know, looks almost like a shadow of Darth Vader. Uh, his voice is distorted, although in a different and scarier way than Darth Vader. Uh, and and he just, you know, he immediately shows up and starts doing bad things. I mean, in, in the first Star Wars, Darth Vader choked a dude and threw him and did some other stuff. And, you know, that's that's nothing. I mean, Kylo Ren just looks and acted a lot meaner and badder uh, and ends up capturing Poe. Uh, and I think at one point he stopped a laser blast with the force yeah, or something like it that. It freezes in midair. I like that. That was cool. Yeah. So, I mean, certainly that was pretty cool. Poe, before he gets captured, stuffs this thing into the BB-8 droid and sends him on his way. Again, evoking a new hope, you know, putting the MacGuffin into the droid and sending him on his way 
for people to. I would like to say something about the, the, the Poe character. He's the pilot. And my initial reaction was um, the pretty much the only thing that I really didn't like about this movie is Poe's character and the actor portraying him. I could not stand him. I actually, when he first came on, something happened and I actually toyed with the idea of walking out of the theater. That's how visceral I reacted to this. And the problems are twofold. Um, one is all we were told was daring pilot in that crawl. And then secondly, we we get into the scene where there's this guy talking with the old guy. The old guy's obviously a Jedi. And they're talking. And, and the, the actor who was playing Poe was so bad. And, and not, not that he's a bad actor, but he's just bad in this role. And the character is badly written, I felt. We did, I couldn't. I didn't even realize this was the. It took me a while to realize this was the, the pilot. And my first thought was, he is pretending to be part of the resistance. His acting was so bad that I was like, oh, he's pretending to be part of the resistance. He's about to betray the old man, and he's getting the information from the old man, and he's going to turn around. I think there was a clip we saw the stormtroopers arriving or something, and so I thought, when you know, he's gonna he's gonna immediately turn around and give the old man to the to the, and he's going to betray him. Well, then it went in a completely different direction because it turns out this guy that I didn't like that was felt so phony was actually a, he's actually a good guy. So then, but he seemed like he was such a poorly written character. He's very undefined. We don't know. We haven't seen him do anything. All we're told is he's this daring pilot. We didn't actually see him fly or do anything. So then I thought, oh, he's a real minor character. He's going to get killed off right away, right? But then it turns out he's involved pretty much the whole movie in a lot of, it's not that, that many scenes, but he is, his character is involved in spoiling things. But um, yeah, I, I've been thinking about it a lot since I've seen the movie. And, and the problem is he never really does anything heroic. All, all, all that happens is we're told that he's heroic. Like even in the torture scenes where the, uh, Kylo Ren, the, the Darth Vader clone that you just mentioned uh, is torturing him. We never actually see any torture. All we see is, there's a scene of him strapped to a chair with some blood on his face and I think he screamed ice cracking and you know acting like he's you know you know he's been tortured but we don't actually see him being tortured or anything and and you know then he escapes and I don't know if we get too too far into the storyline already but but he never really does anything and and I think that just that character throughout the whole thing I, I watched another listened to another podcast. And apparently he's a character in this, there's this whole uh, a bunch of other stories about Star Wars that have been written. Uh, there's the games, there's all kinds of other comic books, all kinds of stuff. And he's apparently a character from those. So I've never heard of him. I know nothing, I know nothing about that universe. And I, I, you know, so to me, he came across as very underwritten because we know nothing about him. He's just, and, and just the way the character was done, he, all, all we ever see from him is just his smart out comments and we never actually see him doing anything. And it just felt like, who is this guy? What's he doing here? I, he's out of place. He just never really fit for me. And, uh, you know, initially my reaction was just, this is horrible. I want out. And, but then, then, you know, he wasn't, he's not that much into the movie and, and, you know, went on to other characters and then I was fine. I was like, okay. He's minor. I won't worry about it. And, and and then in the end, it's sort of like it's not that big a deal. He's just one character that I didn't like, but but uh, and I liked everybody else. But that one, for some reason, just just that was really my only 
only flaw, big flaw in the movie. There's lots of little tiny flaws, but they, they don't really hurt anything. But that one just, that one really bothered me. But other than that. You, get, you, you have a counterpoint, Bob. Well, I, my counterpoint was that that was certainly one of the characters that has a whole backstory and possibly from the expanded universe that is no longer canon, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I think that's a great example of one of the characters that should have been developed more, but because they had so much to fit into two hours that they just went, well, okay, we're just going to have to, you know, you're just going to have to suspend disbelief for a while that, that this guy is a good, good pilot and he's very brave and that you're going to have to deal with it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, valid points, Mark. Um, yeah, I mean, we don't know anything about him. So yeah. my problem was I just kept misinterpreting the story because I kept seeing just the way he was portrayed. I kept reading other things into it and thinking, oh, he's go- he's going to betray people. He's going to do this or that. And then none of that stuff that I kept thinking was going to happen actually happened. It went a completely different direction. And then finally, I'm like forced to admit, okay, I guess he's actually a good guy. And he's one of these heroes, but he was such a cardboard character that I didn't care for him. I was kept praying he was going to die. <laughs> it was like, you know, it was just kind of funny, you know, but. Uh, well, certainly of the, of the new characters, he's by far, you know, has the least screen time. Yeah. Uh, certainly you don't, you know, the least about him. You're not as invested in him as any of the other characters who are all wonderful. And I think very well written and you get attached to very quickly. So yeah, I, I would agree. I don't, I don't, I can't say at the beginning he offended me, uh, but I was a little confused as to who the heck he was, uh, mostly because, again, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't have a lot of, you know, reading about this to know who all the main characters necessarily were going in. But after the fact, it seems like he was being billed as one of the main new characters. So it does seem a little surprising how little he was in it. Overall. Well, he's he's apparently a very famous actor. I'm not really that familiar with him. I, I remember the scene where he puts on the helmet and he's flying the at, towards the end. And, and, you know, you only see his, his, his the lower part of his, of his face, you know, his mouth and everything, because that helmet covers the, the eyes and nose. And I thought he looks very similar to Luke Skywalker in the original movie that where he's, where he's wearing the helmet and all you see is his mouth, you know, and I thought he was cast. My first thought was, oh, he's cast because he looks very similar to, to, to Luke Skywalker, you know, <laughs> to Mark Hamill back when, in the first movie. And, and I was like, you know, because the mouth looks very similar. There's something about that, that look that, and so I thought, oh, he's just cast because he looks similar when he has the helmet on. <laughs> All right. Anything? Anything to add about Poe before we move on to the next new character that is introduced shortly after? So during this battle scene, uh, you see all the stormtroopers come on, but one of the stormtroopers is acting a little odd. Uh, he seems very upset about being asked to attack this village of people and shoot people, and uh, and and they certainly focus on him a bit, and then uh, and they kind of just leave a lingering shot on him as Poe is captured and heads back up to the Star Destroyer with Kylo Ren and. And then you get back to the Star Destroyer. Poe is kind of tortured a little bit, as Mark has uh, mentioned. And, uh, and then they jump back to the Stormtrooper, who actually pulled his helmet off at this point. I don't remember. Did he pull his helmet off on the planet? He did. Okay. No, not on the planet. Just not on the planet. Not, not on the planet. Yeah, on the ship. When, he, like, when the ship gets back to the Star Destroyer, he takes his helmet off, and he's, like, gasping for air. He's very upset about something. And, his, and it, they had blood on his helmet that he got from his friend who died in front of him right. on the planet. Right. I thought that was a neat touch because otherwise you can't tell one stormtrooper from the other because they all look... Right, yeah, that was a good touch so you could say focus on... Of course, you could kind of tell by his actions because he was a stormtrooper having the panic attack. But uh, <laughs> but taking the helmet off was a kind of a Star Wars first. 
I mean, I suppose in the in the Clone War movies, I guess you knew who was under the clone troopers, but I, I I don't remember them actually taking helmets off after they were on. They did in the cartoons and stuff. Well, and he, and he got in trouble for taking his helmet off. So that that was the other thing. It's like that's verboten, and you're you're now in trouble. And he got put on report or something like that. So yeah, they were going to send him back for some sort of reprogramming to uh, get him to not be uh, afraid of uh, shooting people. But in the end, he decided, you know, I want hell out of here, and he decides he's going to grab. Poe, instead of transferring him somewhere, grab him and uh, use him to escape. And that's kind of maybe the second funny uh, part. This movie was hilarious, really. Uh, Had lots of funny bits. Uh, Probably the first funny bit is when Poe is captured and he looks at the bad guy and says, so I'm confused. Do I talk first? Do you talk first? Uh, And that was kind of funny. And I think that might have been one of the first attempts at giving Poe a little bit of character. And again, say this guy is some sort of smart-ass, super cocky uh, pilot. Um, and I think that worked there. And then, uh, you know, um, the stormtrooper dude grabs him and, uh, and then, and Poe also, uh, this I think is meant to say that he's kind of smart, realizes that the stormtrooper isn't just saving him because, you know, he's being altruistic. He's saving him because he needs someone to fly the ship, fly an escape ship. And Poe being a good pilot would be a perfect person to do that. I don't know exactly how, uh, the stormtrooper knew that Poe was a great pilot, but <laughs> that's... <laughs> I mean, unless he got the read the file when, when he was transferring him, but that's right. <laughs> but so they they you know they escape, they grab a, a tie fighter, get the heck off this star destroyer, and uh, are heading back down to this planet, which uh, which seems like a strange way to escape because that seems like it might be kind of easy for you to get caught again. But Poe really wanted to get you know his BB-8 droid with the map back. Uh, so they they uh, they head down, uh, but they get shot on the way down. You know, it's not a clean escape. It's not like you know, the beginning of a New Hope where R two D and C three PO in the the pod there, and you've got the the mother of all, you know, coincidences. You know, they just, you know, Empire decides not to shoot the pod, <laughs> and he's just like, that's the end of Star Wars right there. You know, those, <laughs> that pod is blown up. But <laughs> so they actually shot at this thing, and it crash lands on the planet, and they're separated. The stormtrooper, who at this point is then given a name. Uh, he just had a number before FN one two three four. I don't remember exactly what the number was, and and Poe says, you know what? I'm just going to call you Finn. FN Finn. Uh, so again, Poe. You know, so Poe had some a few points there, even if he's still kind of an enigma. And and then the the crash. All you see is Finn, and uh, and that's it. Yeah, Poe's nowhere to be seen. Uh, the presumption is he's dead, although it didn't make it really clear to me that he was dead and having did see at least one trailer where you know he's not dead that that wasn't too suspenseful for me so yeah we found his he found finn finds uh, poe's jacket which is a big mystery of how in the world the jacket ended up there but then the ship is there and it gets like sucked into the ground by some kind of i don't know it's like a worm from dune or something that swallowed the yeah i didn't get the ship sinking either the body's in there and he's Somehow his jacket got thrown clear and the body's inside and he gets eaten or something, so he's dead. So I was cheering. But Right. And in between this, at some point it must uh, right it must cut right after the crash to our other new character, which is Ray, uh the the lead crap. of the movie. It's, I think they intersperse her stuff before the crash. Maybe, yeah. And Ray is uh young woman who is on this desert planet, a uh, scavenger of some sort. And they kind of show, start her off really cool while she's inside of a crashed Star Destroyer, like ripping parts out. And, and, and that's, that's pretty darn cool, actually. 
<laughs> well, and it's interesting that the backstory for that, you can sort of feel that, okay, the, the Star Destroyer crashed on the planet. There's a whole industry that's developed into scavenging parts from it. Um, it's obviously not illegal, but that's how she's making her living because she's doing the part, uh, handing the parts over and getting food. And that's how she's living. And that, that's a really cool way of giving the backstory because she's obviously been there a while, knows the rules. Everybody knows her. Nobody's giving her crap or anything like that. So she's very established in that routine. And that gives you an incredible sense of this backstory that we're missing from like Poe and, and, and even Finn for, for that matter. Right. Yeah. She's easily the most well-developed character. I mean, there's still lots of mysteries around her as well, but we spend a lot of quiet time, relatively speaking with her, seeing her life, which frankly looks like a really miserable kind of life. Uh, she's on this awful desert planet. I, I, I mean, other than to evoke the original star Wars, I'm not entirely sure why they went with another desert planet that has a different name. That that's weird to me. Um, uh, why didn't you just keep it tattooing? I'm sure there's some reason, but uh, it just, well, it that, that actually might be one of the one of the things. I mean, there, there's a lot of speculation on who Ray really is. So, the because she experienced, and we're jumping later in the movie for a little bit here, but she shows an incredible affinity with the Force. So, there's speculation that either she's another uh, Han Solo Princess Leia child. That, that we don't know about, or she's a Skywalker. Well, I guess she'd be a Skywalker, either we just Skywalker child or Skywalker grandchild. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I suspect that she's one of those and we'll find out in the next movie. Yeah. yeah they certainly left stuff. So we spend time with Ray and, uh, and then in the end, Finn comes across, uh, well, actually before that, uh, BB eight comes across Ray where Ray kind of rescues BB-8 from yet another scavenger. And so those two are kind of hooked up. And then a few moments later, Finn makes it to the little village where Ray is. So the three of them are all there. And at this point, uh, the bad guys know they're looking for orange BB-8 robot. Uh, seems to me stopping at the hardware store, getting some decals or something, changing that around might be a good <laughs> idea. But uh, they, they, they certainly... Even though they appeared, they knew the Empire, or not the Empire at this point, the First Order was looking for an orange BB-8. They didn't, like, you know, get, a, you know, an outfit for him to wear or something. <laughs> and and Poe did say to to Finn when they were up in the Star Trek trying to escape, he mentioned that he had to get to the planet to find his BB-8 model droid, who was uh, unique. Um, he said he's orange. He's, there's nobody else looks like him, right? So, so we'd already been told that this is a unique-looking He's the only one that looks like that. But there is right. a little so, flaw there because he didn't tell him his name. He just said BB-8 model droid. And then later when they're on the planet and they start to run, uh, Finn actually makes a mistake because he turns and says, BB-8, come on. And he doesn't know BB-8's name and he calls him by name. So you have to watch for that one if you watch it. It's pretty funny. Hmm. But uh, I know. Yeah, so they, they kind of all meet together there. Bad guys find him at the same time too. So there's an escape scene. And uh, some good character moments there where, you know, Finn at first thinks he needs to rescue Ray from the bad guys. And it turns out that, you know, this Finn dude is the one that's going to need rescuing because Ray is more than capable of taking care of herself, which is uh, pretty cool oh. to see. And they run into a big ship to get out and uh, they point and he points, what about that one? And she says, no, that's garbage. They run to the big one. The big one gets blown up. They, they have to take the garbage one. And the garbage one turns out to be in the Millennium Falcon. Theater erupts in cheers when you see that. Um, 
And rightfully so. The Millennium Falcon is a huge character, really. I mean, it's a big character in Star Wars, so it's kind of yeah. cool to see that. And surprisingly, the yeah. damn thing starts right up. <laughs> it was a bit it wasn't of a dead battery. It happened to be the, the Millennium Falcon on this desert planet. You know that, that. Well, you know, that's the beauty of the Star Wars movies. You know, the Force is behind every, all these coincidences, right? So they can just write them in and, and say that. And, that's true. Well, that would be another one of those speculations because if Ray is really a Skywalker or uh, a solo child, uh, that might be why she was put on that planet and also might be why uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca were on that planet. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, they weren't really on the planet per se. Uh, I mean, they were near the planet. Is that how that needed yeah, to be? Yeah, and they were supposedly looking for the Millennium Falcon. He knew it was around there. And he, he Han Solo knew the uh, the name of the guy that Ray dealt with that buys all the, the crap parts and apparently owned, the, owned the, the Millennium Falcon that had been stolen and all that. And so he, you know, because there was a whole scene where he talks, Han Solo talks about it. You know, it was stolen from this guy, from this guy, from this guy, and now this guy. Happened. Yeah, there was a lot of levels of thievery there that uh, would make interesting backstories in and of themselves, <laughs> I suppose. So they they jump on the Millennium Falcon, just uh, Ray, BB-8, and Finn, and they get this thing started up, and they take off, and there's a cool escape Falcon flying scene on the desert planet. So Falcon flying in atmosphere, I mean, that was pretty pretty neat to see some some bad flying to start with and then some impressive flying to end with. So she, she's a quick study <laughs> and then they get off the planet and it seemed to me they got away. I mean, cause apparently there's a star destroyer around this planet at some point. Uh, but apparently they must've took off on the opposite side or something. Cause they, they didn't encounter the star destroyer at any point. And the first thing they do is they get sucked into another ship and they're all worried and they hide in the, the smuggling compartments. And, and that's when, you get the first introduction of the old characters, Han Solo and Chewie, show up on the screen again more. Uh, this was the same scene from the trailer where the, uh, Han says, Chewie, we're home. And, you know, the crowd of, uh, in the theater, of course, goes nuts. And uh, and, and that's all cool. And, uh, and Han Solo and Chewie in this movie were just fabulous, I think. Awesome. Yeah, very much. Very, it was. Yeah, I was really surprised how great um, Harrison Ford was. I mean, he just, even though he's older and all that. I mean, it was the same character, the same. I mean, he's probably my favorite character from the original series too. I just love the original series, and because uh, because Luke Skywalker, remember the original ones? He was kind of a a little bit of a whiny wimp at times, and Han Solo was just he was just always just you know great. He was always a grumpy kind of reluctant hero. And, yeah, well, he certainly maintains his grumpiness in, as he's gotten older, uh, or maybe that's increased. <laughs> exactly. It was wonderful. So they all meet together on the Millennium Falcon, which is really kind of cool. And there's a little bit of conversation about some stuff. And, it, you know, it's a, you know, apparently Ray kind of recognizes them. Oh, you're Han Solo. Uh, and she says something like uh, the famous war hero or the famous smuggler or something like that. And there's another gag here where they uh, look at Chewie and say, well, which one is it? And Chewie just kind of shrugs his shoulder. I don't know. <laughs> uh, which is a little more perhaps uh, uh, body acting than I maybe che I remember Chewie doing in the past. He seems to maybe do that a few other times in this movie. But uh, so then they, they uh, Han says, you know, things are true. You know, you, Luke Skywalker is true. The Force is true. And some of this is kind of funny. And, and this is a Star Wars issue with timing. Uh, I think they tend to make the elapsed time seem much longer than it is. I mean, because, you know, 
this 30 years isn't that long. So why would people not know or have forgotten about these things? I mean, 30 years is when the last Star Wars movie came out. Everyone remembers stuff from 30 years ago. It's a big universe. That's why people don't do it. (laughs) Plus, you you can assume that the First Order has been collectively erasing the history books. Well, apparently they're quite thorough at it, which seems, I mean, apparently they don't have the internet where that wouldn't be practical. Uh, I mean, and that brings back lots of them, even the very end of the movie where they uh, end up having the entire map. It's like there was only one copy of a map. I I don't know. This goes back to Star Wars has convenient plot devices and ignores other things. And that's okay because that's Star Wars. But, you know, you don't want to think too hard about it because your head might explode. But uh, that's what I was saying earlier about the this movie makes a lot of the same. You know, I think it's intentionally makes a lot of the same kinds of mistakes that the original makes. And in a way that makes it feel more like Star Wars. (laughs) <laughs> because it's like the same kind of logic flaws in the storyline but you know which the next doesn't the bother next me part much, of the you know right now it didn't bother me at all it's 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 more it, it adds to the the lovable charm of star wars if you will uh the next part of the movie i think is when uh, the pirates kind of board the spaceship that uh han and chewie have captured the millennium falcon on this part of the movie this would be to me be probably be the bathroom break part of the movie. Um, I didn't see how it achieved anything other than getting all of them back on the Falcon. I think that was the main purpose. I mean, you know, he's what I liked about it was this was this was Han Solo. You know, it's showing that he's still behaving like he did thirty years ago when he was a a young spunky kid. You know, where he. He's, he's involved in all these smuggling operations and betraying various people. And basically two groups of, of people that want money from him show up at the same time and they're ready to kill him because he owes them money. And, and, uh, and he's going to talk his way out of it, you know, like he, like he always does. And, and I thought that was, you know, just sort of classic, you know, and then he, he's apparently smuggling some giant monster creatures that are like giant squid or something that are really weird. And of course they get set loose and then, all havoc rain, so they eat all the bad guys and and Han Solo, and then escape in the in the Millennium Falcon, basically. So, I think that was all purpose was to get them off of you know onto that onto that ship and back to the main story. You know, the the other thing that that ends up happening is that this is the first part where we start to see Finn as having a lucky streak. So you think about all those monsters on that ship; they all got eaten right away. Instead. For him, they the monster just decided to drag him through the ship, and so I, I really think that that Finn is the is the lucky force user. You know, the hand hand solo was always like that. Was always the lucky gambler, the lucky shot. Um, so I think Finn's that replacement character. That's an interesting hmm. observation. Yeah, yeah, but certainly, I mean, that I felt that sequence went a little longer than needed to achieve the overall goal of just getting them back on the Falcon uh, to where they next needed to go. It was an action uh, sequence that had monsters and, and lots of action and showed ingenuity of the new characters. I mean, it was it was Right, really- yeah, it, right. Character, you know, showed them all in, you know, tough situation and they figured their way out. Yeah. yeah. And that's fine, I suppose. Yeah. So they, they escape from this and they all jump in the Falcon and... Uh, Boom, go to light speed, and they're heading off to meet this uh, uh, new person. But before we, we do that, we should probably jump back um, a little bit back to Kylo Ren with some of the scenes that uh, kind of show his intensity. 
<laughs> so I'm think I'm reminded of the scene on the Star Destroyer where he's given some bad news that uh, essentially BB-8 has escaped, and uh, and Kylo Ren just goes apeshit and flips open his lightsaber. The guy giving him the news, thinking he's about to be you know sushied, and instead Kylo Ren just starts acting like a little kid and chopping up the consoles in his room. Just going nuts. It was a great tantrum. It was amazing. And then when he's all done, done, he just like said, Oh, anything else? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and the, one of the funny scenes is, you know, he's in the middle of that rant and a couple stormtroopers go around the corner and they see all the sparks flying and they just turn around. <laughs> now, now I can't remember on that, on that scene. Did that happen? Was that, did that happen, did that happen before he, he, he took off his helmet and showed us a little of his human side or was that? I think after? so. I think that, I think that was before. order. Yeah. I think the first time he took off his helmet, wasn't it when he was kind of had? Uh, I was going to say Padme, but Ray. <laughs> yeah, well, there was there was a scene. Remember where he where he where he had, he was like praying to Darth Vader's skull there, right? And he was. Oh like, yeah, that's right. It was really interesting because he was he was basically um, trying to live up to his idol and, and his mask and everything is a Darth Vader. He's like, he's like a Darth Vader fanboy, and and he apparently is is and, and he has the Darth Vader skull there. But he was, it was a very kind of an interesting moment because I, I didn't really like him when I, well, not like him, but I mean, I, I was a little confused by him initially because he felt like, oh, this is just a Darth Vader clone when we first meet him. And I felt kind of weird because I was like, why is he in this mask? And, you know, but once we, once we realize he's basically a Darth Vader fanboy, it makes more sense because, especially by the time we get to that scene where he actually takes off his helmet, he's like a full real boy. It's very clear that he's not Darth Vader. He's he's a young kid. He doesn't need this mask. He doesn't have you know Darth Vader had to have it you know for medical reasons, but this right. guy's just doing it to look more like Darth Vader. And well, it, he's doing it also to just you know, be more to you know make people fear him. Right. I mean, without his helmet on, like I mean, he doesn't look like a twelve-year-old boy, but I mean, he looks like a kid. <laughs> and I mean, I, I don't know how old he would be. I would guess early twenties or something. Yeah. But I mean, he's got one thing. I mean, he's got the best hair I've ever seen. I would kill for his hair. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, he takes it off and he's got this flowing mane and he's a you know, very handsome, young looking dude. And you're, you're not going to be thinking, you know, evil Sith bad guy kind of thing. But when he's got that mask on with the distorted voice and he's just a hundred times scarier and he's doing that on purpose to intimidate those around him uh i really like the way they did the voice too i should you know because what i what i when he had the helmet on it was distorted it sounded a little bit like darth vader but it was different it wasn't it wasn't exactly like Darth Vader. so it was just a little bit distorted uh but then when he takes it off he still had a very deep voice that that i liked i mean he was still he even though he, his face looked youthful like like a little kid when he talked his voice was very mature and it sounded he has a very deep voice and it it sounded darth vader ish even even without the, the the mask on and i thought that was a really good touch because if he had had like a high speaking mouse voice or something it would have been like what <laughs> See, this is where i'll disagree because i hated adam driver as this character with the mask on, I thought he was fine, but he, I don't think he looks like Han or Leia. Yeah. It's supposed to be the, their child. And, uh, 
didn't look like it. His voice was was weird. I don't know if they tried to do some distortion of his normal voice, even with the mask off or not. But um, I, one of the few characters that I that I really disliked coming out of the movie, and not disliking from a character standpoint, from, but from an actor standpoint, from a casting standpoint. Yeah, yeah, it just didn't. Well, I I definitely liked his distorted voice. I thought it was creepy enough to be effective for me. Uh, as far as his looks, I mean, it wasn't immediately revealed, I don't think, that he was Han and Leia's son. No, so I... the fact that they didn't look completely similar maybe was because of that. Uh, but, you know, that didn't bother me that maybe he didn't look exactly like them. I, I found it, it it was believable, I guess. Uh, I, I mean, I thought he, from an, I, I mean, I, I didn't know the guy. Apparently he's also been in some other shows, uh, so some people recognized him. But I'd never seen him before in my life. Um, so I didn't have any preconceived notions about him, but I thought it was effective. And I, and I just like the contrast of the mask on and the mask off. And I just thought that was a great contrast between, and showing how at this point undisciplined on how unstable he is. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was good. So, uh, going back to their escape, the Falcon crew is heading to this, uh, not really well explained place uh, with this alien character they're going to talk to because the alien character knows how to get in touch with the resistance or get the robot to resistance. And they land this place and it ends up being uh, kind of a, to evoke the cantina scene <laughs> from the original Star Wars. It's like a, a gigantic cantina on a planet, I guess. I don't know. It was a, it was a, a lot of mysteries were around there and you meet a new character who appears to be an all CG character, little uh, short woman. Who, yeah, the name? The, name, the name is officially Maz Kanata. All right, thank you for looking that up, Bob, because I didn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> and there's some good talking there, and this is where some more stuff gets revealed. Uh, you, uh, you first uh, thing that's revealed is that uh, Finn appears to be just scared out of his mind <laughs> and just wants to get the hell out of Dodge, and he's looking to just, you know, Get away, get away from all this. He he doesn't want anything to do with it. Uh, that upsets Ray, and uh, and then Ray, uh, after seeing him look like he's leaving, starts to have these visions. Which this is this is the thing I need to pay very close attention to in second viewing because there is a bazillion things that are popping up here that you're just like, whoa, what just I missed that? Pause, pause. <laughs> I'm thinking in the DVD version, we'll all be going frame by frame to, to see all the things that we missed. Yeah, so she's like having flashbacks, flash forward, seeing stuff. Uh, and this is all when she, uh, I guess, finds a lightsaber in a box, which we're then told is, and this is a weird thing too, we're told is Anakin's lightsaber which would mean you got to think trace the lineage. This would mean it's the lightsaber that Anakin had at the end of Revenge of the Sith when, and that Obi-Wan kept and then gave to Luke in A New Hope and then Luke lost when Darth Vader cut off his arm in Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> so that would be this lightsaber that apparently you would think is sitting in a dumpster on Bespin somewhere and uh, still attached to a hand. <laughs> so somehow 30 years later, this ends up in the basement of this Maz person's uh, cantina and so lots lots of coincidences there <laughs> but when she when ray touches this thing she gets all these visions lots of things popping up this and, and she kind of freaks out a bit and really doesn't want anything to do with this uh 
as Maz starts to give her some words of wisdom, uh, you know, I forget what the words were, but essentially look to the future, not the past kind of thing and take the lightsaber and Ray's like, no, I don't want that thing. No way. And, and she kind of runs off, I guess. And somehow that lightsaber ends up with Finn. Uh, I don't remember exactly how that happened, but <laughs> things to pay attention to on the second viewing. Cause there's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Happening. The weapon and somebody handed him, they said, you've got one. And he's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and of course, uh, the bad guys are never far behind chasing BB-8 uh, because in the cantina, someone there spotted this unique-looking BB-8 droid that they made no attempt to conceal and, <laughs> and, report, and reported back to the bad guy. You could have left them on the Falcon. Yeah. It wasn't serving any purpose inside the cantina. Uh, so, uh, Yeah. <laughs> so the bad guys show up. And do bad things, start shooting, blowing up things, and there's chaos and mayhem. And uh, and then uh, Ray gets captured, if I remember correctly. Uh, and then uh, and also the uh, Han, Chewie, and Finn also look like they're just about captured. After you know maybe thinking they might have been able to fight their way out, and then they, you know they're walking with their hands up, and all of a sudden you see off in the distance uh, what look like some X fighters flying over the lake towards uh, this building, this cantina building where they all are. And they're led by Poe. <laughs> Which, going back to what you said at the beginning, Mark, is like, you're like, you know, because this is the one trailer I had seen, I knew this scene was coming up, but it, I, would, I had a... Why? How? Because they completely do not explain how he got from the desert planet to back to the Resistance to... And how the Resistance even knew to come here to help out. Well, no, they, they knew that part because uh, there was the uh, the First Order people that were in the cantina, and there were also Alliance people in the cantina, and they showed two different two different people making comments of, oh, you know, we need to report back, we found the droid. All right, thank you, Bob, you're right, I do remember that now. So uh, two different people reported back to their appropriate factions to say, hey, the droid is here, so everyone converged there. But it still doesn't explain how Poe... <laughs> Right, they don't uh, do that. that got off a the, little bit later, they explain it, but a little bit. But yeah, not even really. Just to say, yeah, I got off the planet. I guess. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I, I, I took a bus from the plane or from from the Tie Fighter. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It does, still doesn't say how he got off the planet. I mean, he didn't have an X wing at that point. I mean, uh, it didn't seem like that planet was well connected to the intergalactic subway system. Uh, this is not the story plot you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, they couldn't. So, they couldn't get in contact with resistance very easily. So how come? How come Poe was able to and get get all of his friends? Right. Well, as Bob said, we're not going to dwell on this because it won't lead to a place of happiness. But uh, so anyway, Poe's Poe's uh, Poe's alive, yay! And he's you know doing his starting to show that he is an ace pilot and uh, you know blowing things up and flying his uh, X-wing fighter. Uh, as a brief aside, I thought it was a little strange that that. Essentially, the X-Wing is the only Alliance spaceship they really are showing here. Mm. Uh, they didn't have any... I mean, in all the other Star Wars movies, there's usually multiple types, but it was they just focused on this fancy new X-Wing version. Uh, so he helps uh, prevent Han and Chewie from uh, being captured. And I'm a little fuzzy at this point, so someone else needs to take over the uh, the recount. <laughs> <laughs> so, so at that point, the the alliance uh, folks go back to their place. Ray gets taken to the new giant planet-sized Death Star, um, and she gets 
she gets uh, tortured as well. And this is where we see Kylo Ren taking off his mask and trying to do the force mind meld thing, which I didn't know you could do in this universe. <laughs> That's what J.J. Abrams was mixing things up a little, doing the, the force memory pull. It's not a mind meld because he never touched anybody. He did a force. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so and this is where we get you know, kind of the indication that, uh, you know, Ray has, has, is strong in the force because she can resist all this. Right, and that, that was a... Uh... Uh, uh, with a lot of Ray, I mean, Ray was a wonderful character, but certainly she kind of flipped on a dime with a lot of the sports stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, which, which kind of leads me to believe that she may have had a little training as a as a youngster. Well, it certainly seems suspect because I mean, she's getting probed by Kylo Ren, and you know, and all of a sudden she's just like you know grimaces, and then boom, she's like reversing it on him and reading his mind. And which is, you know, just doubly weird because reading minds, I don't remember being a uh, a force Star Wars kind of thing in the other movies. And all of a sudden, boom, in the span of a minute, two characters are doing it. Well, <laughs> but, but Darth Vader did do it a little bit in Return of the Jedi, you know, because he, he's like, oh, your sister, you know, so so he did pull that from Luke's mind. So so it is possible. Like we do have some precedence for it. Uh, maybe. That, that was maybe different circumstance. I mean, certainly if Darth Vader could do that easily, he might have done that in The New Hope to find out where the Alliance base was. But again, Leia, maybe Force-sensitive, was resistant to that. All right, but we're not going to go there. But uh, I did uh, say that the Ren character was both competent and incompetent at the same time. That that really pleased me because she, she, she was very confident. And she, you know, like, I can fly this, you know, Melania Falcon, I can do this and that, you know, and then, but then she didn't necessarily do it that well. And, you know, but she and, was more and, of a quick study. Yeah. She, yeah. And she I, sucked I, at it right I, away and then quickly became an expert in it, much yeah. like her force usage. And, and that's the way she did with the force and the lightsaber and all the different things that she did. But I, I liked the way they did that because it, it, you know, if she had just been a master off the bat, it would have been really phony. And if she didn't take advantage of these tools, she wouldn't be very heroic. So, you know, having her like, you know, know stuff, but not be expert in it, I thought was a really nice balance. I mean, obviously with all this, you're taking everything with a big grain of salt, but, you know, swallowing some disbelief. But at the same time, I, I thought I really liked her character the way they did that because it was a nice blend, I thought. And uh, they, they certainly did well by choosing her character. I mean, she, she, did, a, she did a great job. Uh, throughout the movie, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to hearing more of her story in in the next in the next movie because I think we're going to see a lot of her and a lot of Luke. I love both her and Finn. I thought they were top notch. I mean, yeah, they, they were great together great too. They were they played you know. off each other really well. And and the other thing that was cool with the Finn character is just uh, not the Finn the Ray character. And I I did find the names are needlessly similar to continued to confuse me um all short one syllable words two of which uh ran and ray that have the same beginning sound <laughs> they're, they're not internalized for me yet so i keep mixing them up but uh she never you know they they essentially head back the you know han chewy finn head back to this death star killer or the star killer <laughs> giant planetoid thing to rescue ray but as they continue to show over and over, Ray doesn't need rescuing. Um, and, and she doesn't, she, she gets out of her predicament, um, by in a very funny scene, 
convincing the stormtrooper who's, you know, on guard in the room with her using the mind trick to get him to unlock her and, and then finally drop his weapon. <laughs> did, you, did you recognize the voice of that stormtrooper? 007. Yes, it was Daniel Craig. I didn't recognize it when I was watching. I didn't know that, but I read some spoilers later, and, and that was Daniel Craig that played that. Yeah, scene. I read it after as well. I didn't recognize it. Yeah, I have, I'll have to watch for that when I see it again and, and, and see that. I don't know that I would pick up his voice necessarily, though. But uh, I'm usually better at voices than faces for some reason, but I didn't I didn't catch that one. But that was a cool but that she escapes. She she gets out because of essentially she uses the force to escape. She you know by turning the tables on Kylo Ren and you know telling him some of his memories. He kind of again flips out and leaves, I guess. And and then she gets away from the stormtrooper and she's doing her own thing to essentially bust out of uh, the, where she was. You did leave out the part about just before that they go rescue her. Um, there was a whole scene where they they all meet. Uh, Han Solo and all the good guys meet back at the the rebel base, the resistance base, and that's where we first meet uh, General Leia character. That's that's right. That's important to, to bring that up. Just cause sure. That, that right. Yeah. General Leia does show up. Uh, she uh, she doesn't have a lot of screen time. Uh, they kind of keep it focused. She's very reserved. She did she did a good job looking like some sort of war weary general who was just kind of beaten down, tired of all this crap, <laughs> and and uh, and just frustrated. Uh, and there was a funny scene in there where, uh, for some inexplicable reason, she continues to keep C-3PO with her. And uh, I think this is a scene where, you know, you, you see Leia for the first time and Han standing there, and it's this big moment, and then C-3PO just kind of cuts in front of them and says, Hey, it's me, C-3PO. You might not recognize me because my arm is red. And you're just like, What? <laughs> I, some people are saying that's their favorite line from the movie. I, that I wouldn't be my favorite line, but it was, I found it more weird than anything. But so yeah, that's when they uh, they meet, and then they, that's when they hatch up the plan to to come back. And there's some good quips in there with Han saying, "There's got to be a way to blow it up. There's always a way to blow these things up." And and it is kind of funny that uh, not really funny, but and and probably intentional that they for the third time use a giant spheroid weapon. Uh, the bad guys have a giant planet weapon uh, that the good guys need to essentially take down. Uh, so apparently that's a Star Wars thing. They, they should have put that in the the, the prequels, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, well, but, actually, it wasn't a prequel. Well, yeah, they showed the Death Star in the prequel, but they didn't have it as something they had to take down necessarily in the um, right, but they showed it, so there was some continuity yeah. there. So uh, the entire takedown of the space station, though, was kind of a background thing uh, compared to the stuff that was happening in the foreground, which was uh, them uh, battling. There was some, you know, spaceships flying around and whatnot. Uh, but this planet weapon sucks energy from a star to shoot at other planets. Don't think too hard about any of this. And, <laughs> <laughs> but it does lead to the, the most excellent battle in the forest, uh, between Kylo Ren and what starts off with Finn, who is apparently still carrying around, uh, this lightsaber and, uh, and ends up having a lightsaber battle with Kylo Ren. Uh, well, actually I, I, I skipped probably the most important part of the movie, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> 
the uh, where they're just about to blow up the space station, and Han Solo sees Kylo Ren and confronts him. And uh, and of course, at this point, we uh, we're well aware that Kylo Ren is uh, Han Solo's son. Although the other uh, the characters of uh, Ray is not aware of this at this point, I don't think. Um, and so they're confronted on a bridge, and uh, long and short of it is, after making you know they they tried to make it a little ambiguous as to whether Kylo Ren was going to be convinced by Han to you know stop being bad. <laughs> I don't particularly. I, I mean, they tried to do that. I, I don't think that that was really something people were like, oh, he's going to be good. Uh, and then, but then he essentially looks like he's handing over his lightsaber to Han, and instead, you know, just kind of spears him and kills Han Solo. Uh, and, um, I mean, that's pretty much, you do that, you're bad. There's, there's no turning around for you at that point. So I don't think we can expect in any subsequent movies, the redemption of Kylo Ren, cause you don't get redeemed from killing on solo. That's just, you can't go there. So, now, I so, did, uh, I did like the scene if you, uh, before that happened, uh, there was two, two scenes that were important. One was the conversation that Han Solo had with Leia where she pretty much told him, you know, get our son back or don't come back kind of thing. And, and so he, you know, and there's a scene there where he's, he's ready to leave. He's escaping and he looks and he sees Kylo Ren walking across that, that gangplank, which is similar from one of the previous movies. And, and he starts to turn, like, I'm going to go ahead and leave. And then he pauses and he turns and he hesitates and then he goes and talks to, and as soon as he did that, I was like, Oh, he's dead. Because it was that hesitation that's sort of like he's got that choice to make: do I go confront him, my son, who's turned evil, or do I escape? And he decides he's going to confront him. And of course, you know, I w- it wasn't a surprise to me that he got killed at that point because I, I I knew that that was a decision. That was the whole point of that scene was he was making that decision that it's right. worth it to try to confront his son, even though he knows he's going to get killed. Yeah, and I and I think from a from an actor standpoint, um, you know, Harrison Ford's pretty old at this point. I'm not sure he'd make it through another another three years of, of principal filming. So I, I think he may have just thought, you know, I'm done. Just find a way to kill kill my character and make it good. Well, I'm I'm I haven't read, but I'm certain that was a condition for him to even do this. Was like, I'll do this movie, but you're killing me. Right. <laughs> well, and this is a good, the, the way they did this film, I really liked the way, you know, I didn't, I didn't watch any of the spoilers. I didn't even know. I think I'd heard something that some of the original characters weren't, but I just assumed that they were like a cameo kind of thing. I was not expecting them to have the, the size roles that they had. But my feeling was when I heard that some of them were going to be in it was sort of like, Oh, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of neat in a way, but you know, it's kind of a retread thing. And 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 the whole only way this is going to work for for a whole new generation of movies is to have new characters and 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 that are just as good, you know, in a different way as the originals. And and I thought that the blend that they had in this was really well done. We got a taste of the original characters. We got you know really strong new characters that we're excited to see in the sequels. And the new movies, we don't necessarily need these original characters in them. They could have small roles, perhaps. Uh, obviously, Luke is going to have a bigger role. But, but um, you know, I, I thought that that blend that they did was really nice because, it, 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 you know, it, the, the fans of the original still get to have some of that. And then the, the, the newer kids that don't know the originals that well, and, you know, 
they have something new to, to, to latch on to. And, and the series has got a lot of momentum. You know, Ray and Finn and these new characters are young. We can go with them for a long time. And that's, that's wonderful. So I, I really like that balance that they did. Yeah, I thought that was great as well. Um, now, going back to where I was originally, uh, let's see here. We sk- uh, the, for- the, forest, the forest battle, which I, you know, I just love so much. Is it, You get a lightsaber battle between Finn and uh, Kylo Ren. And Finn not being, as we know at this point, a force dude using a lightsaber, that's a new thing. And, and I mean, he did pretty well till you know, he got beat. Yeah, and then, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, again, maybe like Bob keeps saying, he's a lucky dude. But, uh, but then this is where uh, essentially the Force awakens. Uh, Ray, who had been knocked out before, uh, manages to use the Force to steal the lightsaber, uh, Finn, the lightsaber Finn had been using and uses the force to kind of float it through the air. But they kind of trick you by thinking Kylo Ren is getting it. And uh, and then Ray, they kind of almost both get it at the same time, but Ray wins. Yeah, it's coming <laughs> and, towards him, and then it flies right by him. He's like, yeah, it was, it was it a flies cool right camera. by him and goes to Ray, and he's like, what? <laughs> it was a cool camera thing, and then and, uh, and they, and then she ends up with it, and then she starts battling, and it looks like she's going to get beat. And then all of a sudden, she does this... Uh, meditation thing where she just kind of like closes her eyes almost and then and then boom she's like super force jedi woman almost uh and, and that i know a reading's a little bit about this after the fact some people are are annoyed by this and that you know, how the heck can that happen and i think what what a lot of what bob has said is that this that's probably maybe a good portion of what the other movies are going to explain <laughs> Because it's not like, you know, this is out of the blue. So there's there's something important there that uh, will tie this all together. But right now it is a little puzzling to see how can she kind of pull it all together that quickly. Uh, but I thought it was really well done. It was a great battle. The lighting, uh, the battling. Uh, at this point, uh, Kylo Ren is wounded because Chewbacca had shot him after he had uh, greased Han. And uh, so he was wounded and he kept pounding on his side which I thought was weird during the battle. Like, why the hell is he punching himself? Anger. And, Anger for the pain. And that's, I had to read about that afterwards. I'm not a big pain guy myself. So <laughs> <laughs> I, apparently he was punching himself to make more pain to essentially think that would make him stronger. Uh, but apparently that didn't quite work. And then that's probably why, uh, you know, the combination of Finn and Ray were able to defeat him is because he was apparently significantly wounded. Uh, so that was good. So the battle ends, and uh, nobody's dead. Kylo Ren is still alive, uh, which is kind of cool because, uh, you know, it always worries you when you think back to The Phantom Menace where they had the cool bad guy and they killed him at the end. <laughs> and like, so they... We should mention that, that Kylo Ren, I think it's important. He, there was a little bit of backstory we left out that is important where he, he apparently was a Jedi in training under Luke Skywalker, and he apparently killed all the other Jedis and that's when Luke Skywalker vanished. He went, you know, he apparently felt guilt or something and went off on his own. And, and, but what I got out of that was that Kylo Ren is not fully trained as a Jedi. He's basically half trained. And I think, right. And I think they did a good job of explaining that. Yeah. To me, that was part of the reason why he's young. He's half trained. He, he has some of the force stuff, but he's not like Darth Vader. He's not like this guy who's, yeah, he, he's not in control right, in any exactly. way. He, 
he's he's kind of a, a loose cannon, so to speak. And see, so yeah, that that was all one. And one thing we haven't mentioned at all is the the kind of the bad guy behind the scenes who has the oh. really weird name of Snoke. 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 Supreme Leader. Yeah, S N O K E. Snoke. It's a strange bad name, I think. Yeah. Uh, and they, I mean, it's shown in what appears to be a hologram of some sort. Yeah. Um, not much known about any of that at this point. Um, and so interesting to see how that goes, but, uh, but that is so unlike in the other movies, perhaps where this might've been the end of the movie, uh, this, <laughs> well, this isn't, the okay. End we have, we have to, we have to kind of finish up the scene. So, so, so while they're doing the whole forest fight scene, all the time, uh, X-wing fighters are attacking the planet and then, you know, they're almost destroyed and all that. And they finally, you know, the, the, the charges go off internally. So they're allowed to fly in, they hit it, blah, blah, blah. So, so one of the things that really annoyed me about this thing, it's like, did, did they learn nothing from the first two, first two death stars? It's like, they've already shown in, in thir- over 30 years that, that X-wing fighters can avoid all these defenses that these big, Death Stars have. It's like, and they go, eh, send out a couple squads. Really? <laughs> send the entire fleet out, damn it. <laughs> well, you know, Bob, they lost apparently all that history, so they, they're not able to read it and study from it. It's all legend and forgotten. <laughs> Fair enough. But it but it just seems like, okay, all right, so so nobody studied the military defeat of the Death Stars. <laughs> It all blew up. They lost all that knowledge. They don't know how. Yeah, all the paperwork blew you know, up and gone. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. And but and you know some of that you know is is almost silly. But on the other hand, it's meant to evoke a lot of the feelings from these older things and to make you uh, feel comfortable with the new movie because it's tied to the things you liked about the original movie. So it's a little manipulative there, I suppose. But uh, it, it was effective. I think they did a good job in not making this to me be the primary focus though that was all kind of happening in the background yeah agreed that you should also mention too that fight with uh where ren and and kylo or ray and kylo ren the very confusing character see i uh, told you they, there's like an earthquake or something part of the death star blowing up or something that, that it separates and there's a yeah that's how the that's that that's how the there. lightsaber battle ends because the the planet is uh imploding i guess uh because of the attack on it. And so there's fissures opening up and they end up getting separated. And uh, Ray gets rescued by Chewbacca. Chewbacca uh, managed to get back to the Falcon and uh, picked her up essentially. And, uh, and they, and they, uh, they get off the planet, uh, planet weapon thing explodes. I think I read after the fact that some people said it explodes, but it, it like turned into a star on its own or something like that. I, I didn't quite notice that. Well, myself, they but... had some energy in it, right? Well, they, they took the entire energy from a star, so all that energy would go somewhere. So, yeah, if it turned into a star by itself, sure, I could go there. Why not? I, I, I can certainly go there. I just I didn't notice that that happened. I, did, I didn't notice that either. So I'll have to pay attention. But the main thing is the good guys escaped and the bad guys escaped. So right, that's it. There was no the next the next movie because Kylo Ren is alive, and uh, and then they then they get back to uh, the rebel not the rebel the alliance resistance base. We'll get these terms right, (laughs) and they get back to the the uh, 
resistance base and uh, and there's a little scene there where Leia and Ray kind of hug and I know some people were complaining that it should have been Chewie and Leia that were hugging uh, I don't know I mean, it certainly just worked for me and I think like Bob says it maybe is indicating that there's a tighter bond there in some manner that might be explained in a subsequent movie they certainly got you know, I, I, I think it's no coincidence that we're getting confused with Ren and Ray I would agree that that can't be a coincidence, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah. So we'll maybe have some guesses at the end. So, but the, the final part of the movie is essentially that they, they get back to the base and then R2D2, which that was briefly shown as being in some sort of hibernation mode earlier and unable to awaken all of a sudden wakes up and it's not entirely clear what caused him to wake up. And I, there's a, several options that it could be, but I don't think it's hundred percent clear. I, I saw an article where JJ Abrams says that BB eight rolls up, says that, Hey, I know who you are and that's enough to, to wake him up. And, and you know, of course they find the map at that point. Right. Well, that's interesting. Uh, seems a little weird, but uh, other theories were that Luke remotely woke him up or that he uh, had some other, indicator that would allow him to wake up but anyway he wakes up and apparently the only entire map of the galaxy is sitting inside r2d2 <laughs> <laughs> well, and so map that leads him to where in the galaxy luke is hiding so well like, i mean what they showed was it r2 projects this map that has a hole in the middle right and and then bb8 has the whole part in the middle and i don't know if i got a map and the only part of the map I'm missing is the section in the middle. I might think, oh, he might be in that section in the middle. <laughs> but they didn't. They couldn't get. They couldn't get R2D2's portion either, though, because that he was. Well, that would imply they had no map. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they must have had some map. I mean, certainly the mapping of the Star Wars. Yeah, the, the mapping of the Star Wars galaxy. Uh, they need to get in touch with Delorm or something because it seems a little off. There are no. But anyway, in this they, movie. they end up with an, a, a big map. That has that tells him exactly where Luke was, and at first I'm thinking, oh, I wonder if that's like he's on Dagobah or something. <laughs> uh, that would be interesting, because that's why they couldn't track it. Because you know, supposedly in Empire, Dagobah was a planet that you know was kind of hidden by the Force or hidden from the Force, so that's why oh. no one knew where it was. So I was like, oh, maybe they'll do another tie in there. By going. But they didn't go there; they went to some completely different watery planet. This is supposedly the first temple of the Jedi. That's that is mentioned was so supposedly the first temple. They don't go into any of this at all. And at this point throughout the movie, uh, the only other maybe snippet you've seen of Luke Skywalker is in the flashback of Ray, where it looks like Luke puts his hand on R two, maybe to switch him off or something like that. But his robot hand is put on R two, and it's a scene they showed in the trailer as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, and at this point, there's this rather long, drawn out, almost Lord of the Rings type end sequence. <laughs> Where the Falcon arrives on this planet and it's big sweeping over the top vista and it lands and then Ray hikes up this stairway I don't know to what the ship didn't just drop her off at the top of the mountain. It like lands at the bottom and she has to hike all the way to the top. It's like twenty minute hike or whatever it is. And she's like, yeah, she's got to hike to the top and they they draw it out uh, with her hiking to the top. Uh, and then she gets to the top and there's this dude with a hood on and he turns around and it's. It's Luke Skywalker, no doubt about it, kind of thing. Turns around, doesn't say a thing, just kind of stares at her, and I'm, you know, that's a lot of staring going on there. And then she holds out the lightsaber, and he's just staring, and she's staring, and then they're staring. And there's a lot of staring. Seemed to go on for a long time. <laughs> and then they pull back 
to a I, I've been reading now. It's this is I'm not a movie guy, but it's apparently called a helicopter shot. They they pull back because it's you know shot from above, really high, and then and that's the end. Cut to black. Star Wars theme starts playing, and at this point, I was actually this probably felt more drawn out to me because at this point, I really had to run to the bathroom. <laughs> It's over two but, hour movie, and there's like a lot, lot of trailers before it too. So, and I had to wait in line a long time. So, <laughs> but uh, but and then it cuts, and then the, the music starts, and I didn't, actually didn't get to sit through the entire uh, credits like I normally might. So, uh, but I, and then you know, people were buzzing. Everyone seemed very pleased. Uh, it, it wasn't you know because I, I I waited in line. I did the midnight thing for Phantom Menace. And I remember, I mean, I, I denied it for a while, but I remember I was bored <laughs> in that first showing, particularly at the beginning. You're like, but this is the first Star Wars movie in a really long time and nothing is happening. And, and there were points in the movie where nothing was happening. And there were some great action scenes in The Phantom Menace that I still enjoy watching. Uh, they're by and large meaningless. <laughs> But they're kind of, you know, you could almost just cut them into their own little 15-minute mini things to just watch when you want something loud to test your surround sound system. But <laughs> so those things made you, when you left Phantom Menace, go like, oh, yeah, you know, this part, that part was good, that part was good. But as a whole, the movie wasn't good. And this part of the movie, I th or this movie, I think you can say, as a whole, the movie was good. Uh, and there were parts in it that were weird. But as you mentioned at the beginning, Mark, Star Wars has always had parts that just made no sense really <laughs> that's not necessarily the point <laughs> but uh and the credits kicked in and the one thing that i did think about as i was leaving the movie theater because when i did that i got back to my my truck and i immediately went to apple music and then brought up the force awakens soundtrack which had come out earlier on friday which i didn't look at at all because i didn't want any of the soundtrack titles to spoil the movie for me because that happened with the phantom menace where there was a, a title in there called qui-gon dies <laughs> <laughs> and like dudes who puts this stuff together so i didn't i mean and granted you know things are in better hands now but you know i didn't even want to chance it so i didn't look at it. so i played that and but it occurred to me as i started playing that that none of the music in this movie stuck with me mm. other than the obvious stuff that's you know, the, the, the music that you already know, the music that you know, the opening theme and, the, you know, some of the Force themes and Luke's theme and stuff like that. But there was no new music in this that stuck with me, unlike, I would say, every other Star Wars movie. I mean, even The Phantom Menace had some really awesome music in it. Uh, the music in the lightsaber battle at the end, amazing. Um, and this didn't have great music, so that that was a probably a big difference for me. I've, I've listened to the soundtrack a few times since then, and I, I can continue to say that, that the soundtrack is not really great. <laughs> Interesting. I, I know that a couple people have taken hints from what snippets of music played during what parts of certain scenes, and they've gleaned information out of that. Um, I forget off the top of my head what it is, but there's one scene that that where Ray is holding and fighting with the lightsaber, that it's actually doing some of the music or some of the theme from, uh, I think it's one of the first trilogy or the, the second trilogy, or, you know, episode one, two, and three, where that indicates 
something and they were they were positing all this stuff just based on the music that was going on during that scene and flashbacks and all that so yeah, I, there was nothing that stuck out for me from the music either. And and I, you know, now that I think about it, the music was probably the most disappointing part of the movie. I mean, yeah, it was big, it was expressive, but I didn't go out there and I didn't leave humming or whistling any of the songs that were in there. Any of the- well, there was just nothing, none of the new music was distinctive. I mean, even the music, I mean, Attack of the Clones, which is a, not a good movie at all, had some music in there that you might remember. I mean, there was some theme music for Padme, I think, or the love music between Anakin and Padme. The music was way better than any of the scenes, but, uh, <laughs> but there was nothing in the, the only new piece of music on the soundtrack is something called Ray's theme, which is decent enough, I suppose, but it, it's not a grabbing piece of music. And none of the other music to me is, uh, sticks with you. So interesting. There are little snippets of the, the, the little themes mixed into certain things. I think like when Ray grabs a lightsaber at one point, you hear what it, – it's, it's a little tricky because I think the Force theme and Luke's theme probably sound pretty similar. Um, probably. So it's a little tricky. Like, oh, that was Luke's theme. So that means she's really – oh, no, that was just the Force theme. doesn't mean anything. It, it, you know, I'm not uh, advanced enough to pick out the details. But uh, <laughs> so that, that probably – I mean, I really like the movie. And since I saw it on Friday, I've been itching to go back and see it. So I can't wait till tomorrow to see it with the rest of the family who hasn't seen it yet and, and see their expressions and, and talk to them about it. As far as predicting the future, I mean, they left lots of things unanswered and I think lots of possible ways they could answer them. So it can, and the, but the best thing for me is the movie is not that far away. It's only a year and a half. Yeah. Eight months. So, and it's directed by Ryan Johnson, who's the guy who did Looper and, and Brick and some other movies. And, and he's a quirky kind of director. So I've been hearing that – I don't know anything and not no spoilers, but, I mean, it's just sort of – we don't know what he's going to do, but I think it's going to be – this movie had a lot of going back to the old. You know, this, the plot had a lot of similarities in Death Star and all this kind of – so I'm really hoping the next movie – kind of breaks some new ground and goes some different directions. And it sounds like you might get some of that with this unusual director. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I think, I think for me, this was the, the bridge movie between the old star Wars and whatever this new star Wars is going to be. Because between episodes four, five and six and one, two and three, obviously we had Anakin Skywalker. That was the constant all the way through him. So so now, you know, they're passing the torch. And this is a lot like how Star Trek did their their transition from old generation to the next generation with the movies where they had to come up with this weird bridge where you could have a couple of of characters that were that were you know, in the old one and the new one at the same time. Fox shows up and that kind of thing. And- yeah, so I, I think I think unfortunately it, it the the story that we're supposed to be hearing really isn't going to happen until episode, or episode eight uh, because my guess, well, obviously Harrison Ford's no longer in there. Uh, Mark Hamill is scheduled to be a big you know, part of it. I don't suspect Carrie Fisher is going to be a, a big role um, because her, you know, her. I mean, she'll she'll probably have a cameo and probably do some things in it, but I think it's mostly going to be the new characters. Yeah, I think so. yeah, I would agree that this is certainly the bridge movie. They 
it's intentionally meant to strongly evoke your other Star Wars movies, mostly A New Hope. Uh, and that was just very intentional to just, you know, bring back that nostalgia, get people excited about Star Wars again. There's not long gaps anymore. Uh, next Christmas is a Rogue One Star Wars movie that's coming out that apparently takes place before A New Hope, if I understand uh, some of the plotting I've read. Uh, I believe it's about the stealing of the Death Star plans that leads to a new hope. Oh, that could be cool. Uh, so, so that I mean, that's another set of you would think largely new characters. <laughs> uh, so that'll be it'd be interesting to see how they handle that, though, because I mean, if they want to like at the end hand them off to a Princess Leia, how do they go about doing that? But uh, uh, but that's only a year away, and then just six months after that is Episode Eight. So a very quick turnaround compared to the past. And then they're going to continue to be pumping out new Star Wars movies yearly from what I'm hearing. Well, didn't uh, didn't Disney spend $6 billion getting the rights? Four four million? Four. But still, okay, so so they'll, they'll make over a billion <laughs> on, on this movie. Uh, Lord only knows how much they spent making it. So, I mean... They're, they're going to try real hard to make their money back. Yeah, oh, well, they might make their money back on this movie alone. I mean, it, right now, worldwide is up to $600 million as of today, which is Tuesday the 22nd. So, yeah, so it's been a week. <laughs> Not even a week. <laughs> Not even a week. Just a few days. Yeah, they... And uh, make more money on all the all the licensing deals, and you know this baby little robot that I have, and all that kind of stuff. They're making money on all that, so that's where they really make them. They'll make several billion on just all the merchandising. Just, yeah, I would think this movie alone will pay for the purchase of Lucasfilm, and then everything else will just be a gravy uh, once you take away the production costs, or whatever they're making. I think this movie was estimated to be about a couple hundred million dollars. Hundred million, yeah. And still, I don't think it'll take long to make their money back, but, you know, that's a significant chunk. They, It was in Disney's best interest to, you know, make a good movie and get a good impression. The bar was set pretty low with episodes one, two, and three. I know I went in, you know, with very low expectations going, just please don't suck, just please don't suck. And, you know, they, I think they hit it out of the park. Well, it, it is... They did have a low bar. That is exactly true because no one was comparing this to say, please be better than Star Wars A New Hope. No one was doing that. Everyone was saying, make me love Star Wars again. Be better than the prequels. And and that was – and anyone who's competent, given the enormous amount of material you have in Star Wars, that should be easy. <laughs> Considering there's there's must be sixty seventy books of the expanded universe, I mean they could have picked one plot point out and and just gone with that. So there's there's a lot of good writing out there in the Star Wars universe. My feeling was yeah. it was this is about as good as they could do this kind of transition film. You know, that to to start a new series, this is there's flaws in it, but they're they're relatively minor. You can suspend your disbelief and go with it, and and this is just about as good as you could get, I, you know, as I could imagine them doing. And uh, you know, my feeling was, I, I had a lot of fun, and I didn't go into it really. I hadn't watched any of the trailers, hadn't watched anything, was not really very excited, and was just really surprised how much I enjoyed it. I want to go back and see it again, and now I'm really looking forward to the uh, the rest of them. So now my worry now is. That's 18 months away. By the time that comes, I'm going to be really excited, and then I could be disappointed, but we'll see. 
<laughs> well, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly, you got to feel pretty confident at this point. I mean, Disney has done a great job with handling the Marvel stuff since they bought that. And, and I'm not a big comic book guy at all. I'd be more like you, Mark, what, what you're saying about this. I know nothing about any of the Marvel comic books or the characters or anything like that. But those movies are all fun. And they're nicely tied together. And I look forward to each of them. So I, I think, theoretically, Star Wars is bigger than anything oh. Marvel related. So, <laughs> so I mean, and and that's the thing. I mean, you've got oh, okay. So we're we're not spring chickens anymore. But we grew up with Star Wars. I mean, Mark, Mark, you you were a little later <laughs> in the scene, but I mean, but but it's been part of my my life since I was ten years old. My oldest son, I remember picking him up from school, maybe second, third grade to go, you know, it's like, and, and tricking him to go and we were going home. And he's like, why are we stopping here? It's like, oh yeah, we're going to go see Phantom Menace. And he went, oh, cool. So, you know, most of his cognitive life he's been doing it. And now my youngest son, you know, he's, he's seen all of the episodes and now this is, this will be his first new set of movies. So, you know, it's definitely a generational thing. Yeah, so it should be exciting to see where they take this. You kind of get the feeling it's in good hands at this point, so uh, they're not gonna. I you know you don't want to say that Lucas screwed it up necessarily because he invented it, but you kind of get the impression that he's good at some things and not at others. And <laughs> well, my feeling was the the, the sequels, they're the middle movies, whatever they're called. I get all confused. But the prequels, they, 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 I read two things. One is that Lucas himself admitted they were literally just a money grab. I mean, but the other part was, I think the, it was based on the original backstory, which was not really that detailed or that important. And they didn't really need to make those movies. They didn't, the, the story, the story wasn't very deep. It wasn't a good, you know, wasn't worthy of, of, another trilogy and but they did it anyway because they made a lot of money and and that was kind of you know why they did that and this feels this feels quite different because this is this is a new this is disney behind it a new company like you said they've got to get that four billion dollars back they're they're really counting on this as being a, a revenue driver for the next decade or so and and they've got to do it right if they screw it up you know, well, and they, I think they understand what made Star Wars. They get people working on it now that understand what why people love Star Wars so much. Whereas it would appear Lucas never really got that. He kind of came up with Star Wars, was a huge hit, and he probably never really understood why it was. And he didn't direct Empire or Return of the Jedi, and he had a lot of help making those, which probably helped them stay on track. My impression um, when I was watching this was that it felt like the, the the biggest part of his vision was was all the special effects. Like that's really what George Lucas liked. Was not the story was just you know a fun little B movie story of these adventures, kind of based on the old you know Flash Gordon and, and stuff like that from the fifties. But it was what, what intrigued him was 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 the world that he created and all these you know the, the little robots and, and all the different creatures and, and the, the the different planets and the sets and and that's really and, and that's really one of the best things about the series is the the world that he created is so rich and i love that in this one it felt like that but well I, that might be a good point mark in that the first movies have such a simple plot structure that he didn't have to come up with a lot of that so he you know the inventive parts that's parts he invented were, you know, the, the things to include in that story. Whereas with the, the prequels, 
he kind of had to invent all that stuff. He wasn't stealing necessarily a very simple plot structure. And maybe that, without the help, didn't work as well. But we don't need to discuss what went wrong with the prequels. I think the internet has But it is interesting (laughs) to see, to compare that with this, you know. And I think this one is, is, they're clearly, uh, you know, it's hard to tell where they're going with until we see that, that second one. But I, I think they're going in a different direction with a, with a more, you know, the story is going to be the focus. And it's still well, and certainly in, in my, now that I'm uh, spoiler free, I've been scouring the internet looking for things to read and people's perceptions and stuff. And I mean, by and large, people seem incredibly pleased with this. Um, I, you're not reading people going, to, oh my God, this was a giant mess uh, I read of a movie. I've comments on uh, Internet Movie Database where, uh, you know, you look at the user comments and, and it's getting very high ratings, like 8.5 out of 10. Well, certainly, I mean, there's a little bit of a euphoria, a high right now. Yeah. Uh, you'd, want, you'd want to see after a more period of time, after people have seen it multiple times. I mean, I myself am going to see it again tomorrow. I probably will see it a couple more times. My son probably going to want to go see it on IMAX, and then I'll probably catch it with my dad. So I'll probably see it four times in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I think most of the negative comments seem to be centered on how the plot is so, you know, it steals so much from A New Hope and all that. And, you know, that kind of stuff bothered me a little bit, but at the same time, it was like, this one didn't need to have an original plot. It, that's not its purpose. Its purpose is to be this bridge movie, like we said. So it did what it needed to do really well. It didn't ruin anything. It wasn't tremendously innovative, but it didn't need to be. It set up some great new characters, and now we're excited about the future and that's really the main goal that Disney needed to do, and they hit it out of the park. Well, the best thing about this movie is it answered zero questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here we are, you know, we're a week later, and not even a week later, and we, we've come up with a dozen major questions like, well, who's Ray? Who's Kylo Ren? I mean, we, we know so little about about either one of them. We don't know much about Finn either because there was a, there's a question of was he, was he captured, you know, taken from his family early on? If so, what was his family? I mean, so, I mean, there's a whole bunch of questions and, and all the characters and, and even the Maz character, it's like, well, she kind of, kind of came out of left field and, you know, there's some story with her. So how did she get the lightsaber? Right. Well, Finn, yeah, Finn yeah, they mentioned that he, he said he was he was stolen when he was a young kid. But there is that question about how come he was supposedly, they talked about him being conditioned and brainwashed, you know, to be a stormtrooper. But for some reason, it didn't kick in. It didn't work. You know, he, he it didn't it didn't take. And it all the other stormtroopers, it took. So why, why what's special about him that made it not take? Yeah. Uh, maybe there's something in his background that... I'm really hoping he's not Mace Windu's kid, you know, really. <laughs> I have not even considered that. Yeah, that would be weird. Yeah, that would be strange just because most people are going to be like, Mace who? I mean, I don't know that he's a right. well-known enough character. Well, but... or, or he's uh, uh, the guy the, on the on the mining station. Uh, named... Lando? Yeah, Lando's kid. I mean, yeah, well, that wouldn't make much sense. I mean, Lando was just a regular dude. But. Yeah, so, but yeah, I agree. They've left lots of things that are open, and they'll give people things to discuss for the next year and a half. Ad nauseum. 
It'll, it'll give them a great tagline for the next movie, you know, like you said, what is Ren or who is Ren? I mean, who is Ren? And uh, I mean, because even some of the trailers, the wording in them, and granted they use words from other movies, but that one where one of the trailers where Luke says, you know, the force is strong in my family. Uh, my father had it. I have it. My sister has it. And now you have it. And it's strongly implied they're talking about Ray uh, yeah. when that's said, but that's not mentioned in the movie specifically. <laughs> And it's just like, well, that would imply that Ray is part of the Star Wars lineage. But even if even if you knew that was one hundred percent true, you don't know if that means she's Kylo Ren's brother. I mean, sister, or if you know Luke had a daughter directly. You don't know this. Um, In the expanded universe, he did. Right. In the expanded universe, he did. And because, you know, we know nothing about Luke, uh, you know, we don't know if he had a wife. I mean, in the prequels, they make it clear that that's generally frowned upon. But then Anakin takes on a wife and then, you know, and it's not like there's a Jedi Order anymore. So, you know, why would he have to follow such a crazy rule anyway? Well, exactly. And because there's precedent with his father, eh, I could go there. (laughs) Right. So, uh, and and if that were the case, I, I think I'd be okay with that. It seems... Now, I've 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 shown another theory in a couple places now where people are saying that maybe it's uh, she is Han Solo's sister, but one that Han uh, not Han Solo's sister, uh, Kylo Ren's sister, so Han Solo's daughter, but Han Solo didn't know about her. <laughs> but not with Leia. Uh, so it was it like it was a time frame that you know she was born after a split because Kylo Ren did this bad thing. Uh, so Han doesn't know, but it doesn't seem to me like the characters are far apart enough in age for that to really work. Uh, but you know, in the prequels, there was a big gap in age that also didn't seem like it really worked either. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is that. So who knows? It's fun fodder to uh, talk and argue and uh, ponder. So that'll be be exciting. All right. Well, this has gone on for longer than I think any of us expected. So we probably should. Uh, wrap this up so overall I'm going to have to say you know thumbs up as I mentioned I'm going to be seeing it a bunch of times uh, Bob and Mark also seem to be indicating thumbs up uh, I want to thank uh, Bob of Bikini Software who is a was a podcast uh, guest a long time ago I have to get you on again it's been a, been a while I think, so I, was, I think I was your very first podcast guest I, I think you were yeah and, and Mark uh, who was a guest uh, maybe about a year or so ago Who's also probably due to uh, return. Mark, of course, runs the uh, XDev magazine that's been publishing about Zojo for, what, 15 years now? It's a really long time. <laughs> yeah, so that's great. And uh, so I thank you guys for being on this special Zojo talk about Star Wars The Force Awakens. Have a happy new year, everybody. 